This is the sound of the staff here at Focus on the Family Canada every weekday morning at 9 a.m. Petitioning God for those with crisis in their marriage, for those who want to become better parents, and those who are lifting up loved ones to the hope that one day they will know the salvation that Christ has to offer. We'd love to hear from you too. Call us today with your prayer requests at 1-800-A-FAMILY or email us at prayer at FOTF.ca. Well, imagine finding out that your spouse has been unfaithful. You just discovered uh, he or she is cheating on you. Here's Jill Savage recalling just such a moment. I was on my living room floor. I was home alone, just bawling my eyes out, begging God to tell me what to do. And I heard one thing, Hmm. one thing. I heard him say, I want you to love him. Hmm. We can hear the pain and anger and uncertainty. And uh, we have hope for you today because Jill uh, did grab onto God and walk faithfully with him. And uh, she and her husband, Mark, are here today with us on Focus on the Family. Um, I'm John Fuller, your host is Focus President and author Jim Daly. A word of caution for our parents in the audience. If you have young kids, um, they really probably shouldn't be listening to this program. We'll be touching on some really tender topics. Uh, John, all I can say for those who are joining us today and didn't hear the program last time, get it, because that really sets the emotional credibility for what we're going to talk about today. And Mark and Jill were so open about and transparent about their circumstances back then. Mm-hmm. I think it's worth going back. Get the smartphone app if you haven't already done that, and you can listen to the program from last time. Um, or you can go to the website and download it that way. But it really it was powerful. And, in fact, we just didn't cover the content we wanted to cover, so I've asked Mark and Jill to rejoin us for mm-hmm. today so we can talk about the help and the hope for your marriage, especially if you're going through something or suspecting that your spouse uh, may not be honest with you right now and may be in a relationship with someone else. It's far more common than we want to admit. And uh, again, we want to give you the hope that is found in Christ. Mm -hmm. And Jill has uh, captured a lot of the lessons that uh, she and Mark have learned in a little booklet called Your Next Steps, What to Do When Your Spouse is Unfaithful. Uh, we have copies of that here at focusonthefamily.ca or call 800, the letter A, and the word family. Jill and Mark, welcome back to mm-hmm. Focus. Thank yes, you. Yes, thank you. Uh, it's so good to have you back, and I mean that. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, thank you for extending our time together on the broadcast. Uh, as I mentioned, we spoke last time about that brokenness, what was going on in your relationship. Uh, Mark, for those just joining today, you're in and out of this affair seven, eight times mm-hmm. over the period of just over six months, trying to figure out what to do. You separated. You were living in an apartment. You had five children. And Jill, you're just hanging on by a thread, I can mm-hmm. imagine. And you expressed some of that last time. You began to develop hope, not trust, But you had hope that God could heal your marriage. And it took Mark a little longer to get there. And Jill, we can expand on this a little bit. Again, I'm so proud of women. And again, this is a generalization. I know it's not everybody. Women have this incredible capacity to look at themselves. Mm. I mean, as a man, you know, it gives me tears because you're so quick to say, what have I done? Where have I fallen short? What's my problem? And Mark, you typified the man. Hey, Mm -hmm. I got a list on you, and it's really your fault. 
mm-hmm. that I'm in this mess. I mean, yeah. we're like little boys. Yes. You made me eat it. Mm. Right. You're the one that told me to do it. <laughs> right. And I mean, it just, it's who we're, we're made up that way. Goes and, back to Adam. Yeah, it does. This, this woman you gave me. <laughs> right. She's the problem, God. <laughs> And so, and I'm glad we can laugh about it now, but I know people listening are maybe in that pitch of pain. Yes. Right. And you guys can laugh today, but you had to go through a valley, a pit. So, Jill, let me come your way again. Let's frame that a little bit. What are these barriers? Uh, One, obviously, is the blame game. Speak to it. Yeah. Well, you know, one of the things that was so very helpful, and I do write about it in Your Next Steps, is... I was able to look at Mark through eyes of compassion, and that kept me – there was plenty of blame at times. Don't hear me wrong on that. But when I was able to see that he was acting out of his own hurt and his own confusion, that really helped me to resist blaming more than where I already was just naturally going, um, because I realized he was he was personally struggling. You know, a, this was an identity challenge. This was him feeling lost from leaving ministry for twenty years, and so that was really helpful for me was to see him through eyes of compassion, and that kept the blame at least. Um, at a lower level. Okay, I get mm-hmm. that, and that's For helpful. Mm-hmm. Some women are saying, you're crazy. I mean, right. seriously, because we're operating out of our flesh, I would say, in that moment, mm-hmm. and they're justifying their own unchristlike responses, right? Mm-hmm. It's hard. Oh, I know we're going to get lots of is. people and, tearing us up I mean, here. I will tell you, um, I can remember one particular night after Mark left, the toilet overflowed on the second floor of our home, and the water came down onto the main level and down into the basement. Um, I did a lot of blaming that night. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. I you was didn't do that angry. on purpose, did you, Mark? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, oh, he right. was gone. No. Okay. I he thought had you said a trap there in the, <laughs> right. the house. But, yeah, you know. he had left, and, and I was home with you know two teenage boys, and I don't know how to fix you know plumbing. And I was really angry, and there was a lot of blame that went on that night. Mm-hmm. So without a doubt, you know there was a, a fair share of... Um, me throwing blame his way, him throwing blame my way. Well, let um, me ask Mark to jump in on that. I mm-hmm, mean, your perspective like on the blame game. Well, uh, my reality was I was led by my flesh. And what was powerful from Jill is I saw a, it was not an easy transformation for her, but it was an intentional decision on her part to love me well and to love me in a way that she had never done so and that was spirit led and that that kind of leads to the mismatched emotions i think and and let me set it up this way uh once the affair is confessed uh, the guilty spouse begins to feel better you know you've got it off your chest so to speak it's out in the open Mm -hmm. that part of the hard road is done and you're feeling lighter if I could mm-hmm. say it that way. But the victim, the spouse that's you know been betrayed, they're just starting into that mess of how do I figure this out and what do I do and where do I go. Mm-hmm. Did you experience that dynamic in your oh relationship, the messy part? Like he, oh. you were feeling better and you're feeling like, I don't know what I should do with you at this moment. Well, My arrogance and confidence rose off the charts. Hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I would agree with that, which was I'd never really seen that side of you mm-hmm. because I think the other dynamic that happened was you were passive, 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 passive until you said, I'm done and I'm out of here. And then I saw this side mm-hmm. was there was no more passivity and I didn't even know what to do with that. Mm-hmm. Um, which we see that in a lot of the couples that we coach and that we encourage and that we help, you know, in what we do now. Let me, because I, I understand that. Describe that though, Mark. What, why do men behave that way? We, we cocoon, we hide emotionally. Mm-hmm. Yes. And we just let everything kind of go. Okay, that's fine. And then the monster comes out, the confident right. monster. Right. I think uh, it does, I think that goes back to Genesis that we, when a man doesn't know what to do, he does nothing, and that's not a good decision on his part. And so we coward and we hide and we think that we need to be silent, and it's really important that a man find his voice yeah. and not wait until that blow up. It's a dynamic I've seen in couples where there is a strong woman. Jill, yes. you are a strong woman. Yes. Um, does that make it harder for a guy to express his voice? Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> right. You get it's kind of a rhetorical question, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And that was is that, that because, was one of is the... that because you would you would try and she would shoot you down or, or shut you off? Absolutely. I would try to voice my thoughts or my opinions and then finally you go, eh, forget it. And so that was a place where I had to focus on my own growth. Mm-hmm. I realized I had misused my strength. And I needed to learn how to leverage it in a way that honored my husband in a way that um, didn't minimize his voice. And remember when we talked yesterday about that we went to lunches together? Right. Well, I was beginning to change the way that I was using my voice at those lunches. How so? I mean, Um, practically. He would make a statement, and instead of squashing that statement and telling him what I would think, I would ask a question and ask further. (laughs) And so I was drawing him out. I was using reflective listening. So what I hear you saying is this. Did you know to do that? Was that formulaic or was it coming naturally? Um, I was. I had actually uh, read a book that was um, uh, very powerful for me. It was called The God-Empowered Wife. And it was a book for strong women and how strong women can the funny thing is the subtitle I think is how strong women can help their husbands become godly leaders, which is really me. I would like <laughs> it's like it's up that. to her to help you, uh-huh. right? Yeah, but yeah. it was We've written. Been doing that our whole it life. was written to draw that strong woman in and want to read the book, right? Right. And she addresses that in the. She intro. totally does. Yeah. So I'm reading it and I'm applying it and uh-huh. I'm going. I'm starting to use my strength in a, a different way, and so week after week. I'm making changes, which at first he goes, eh, you're manipulating me. But I'm we'll really, see. I'm yeah. realizing, mm. no, I have to change this. Again, yeah. whether our marriage makes it or not, I have to change this. I have misused my strength. This Focus on the Family broadcast will continue in just a moment. You can get rewarded for hard work, patience, and even for making good decisions. Making a good decision when it comes to home and auto insurance starts with Deeks Insurance, a licensed insurance brokerage since 1981. 
you can save with their multi-vehicle discount, home and auto bundle offer, and even collect air miles, reward miles with every policy. They're also happy to reward members of faith-based organizations with preferred rates. Visit deeksinsurance.ca to get started with a quote. Deeks Insurance, where family matters. After 11 years, Brett's marriage had grown stale. He wanted something better for he and his wife. Focus on the families helped our marriage from the standpoint of opening our hearts to see things from the other's perspective and to make sure that God is centered in our marriage. I'm Jim Daly. Together we can save more marriages like Brett's and give families hope. Donate at focusonthefamily.ca slash give. What if everything you thought you knew about the epic battle between Dr. Regis Blackard and John Avery Whitaker was just the tip of the iceberg? What if there's much more to the story than anyone ever realized? And what if Blackard and Whitaker knew it all along? The Blackard Chronicles from Focus on the Family Publishing, based on the hit audio drama series Adventures in Odyssey. Book one available now at shop.focusonthefamily.ca. Thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. Let's resume now with the balance of today's programming. Mark, yesterday you mentioned kind of your mentality at the moment was, let's just get over, let's get this done with, let's keep Mm -hmm. moving, let's get Mm -hmm. the divorce, let's figure out what we're going to do with the kids. Now it's almost like typical male problem solving. Mm -hmm. You know, we got to figure out who gets the kids when. But something pulled you back from that. I'd say it was the Lord. Right. But explain why couples who have gone through this and are willing at least to have hope, maybe again, we know trust Mm -hmm. is broken, but for that guilty spouse to commit to a long-term recovery and not just go into problem-solving mode and to relieve the pain by going through a divorce. You know, so often the data shows that when a divorce occurs, especially I see this data in light of men, you know, they then remarry and the very same problems crop up again because you're not dealing with the core issues. It's you. It wasn't your your first spouse. Mm -hmm. And now you got the same problems in your second marriage or your third marriage. And those typically don't go well either. So speak to that long-term commitment. That's really the question. That transition mm-hmm. that you made from, let's just end this, end the pain. I've got this other thing going. It's far better mm-hmm. right now. Right, <laughs> but, right. But you pulled back, and I give you you know, kudos for that. Mm-hmm. You did pull back and say, I'm going to commit to a long-term process. Mm-hmm. Obviously, if I could say it eyeball to, eyeball to you. Jill deserves a lot of credit in this whole thing. Oh, absolutely. Because she was faithful. She was faithful. And then she stayed faithful to you. Mm-hmm. So man to man, I mean, that's part of it. But mm-hmm. you deserve credit for pulling back. Mm-hmm. And a lot of men wouldn't do that. No, they keep going. Uh, for me, I, the process of a long-term commitment was more one foot in front of the other commitment. One day at a time. One day at a time. And uh, my first huge decision was surrender. I had made such a mess, and as a man, we're fixers, and I realized there was not one thing I could do to fix this, which was a beautiful moment for me because it was the moment that God became so real that the only hope I had, which was abundant, was that God would fix this. Huh. That was his promise to me. That, And then the picture I had, in fact, on my phone, I have a picture of, uh, of a road with a yellow line 
down the middle that I would take the hand of God, my dad, and walk on that yellow line. Dad, where are we going? What do you want me to do? And uh, part of my commitment to my family and to Jill was I met with every person who I knew I had hurt. I asked forgiveness, and I worked to make it right with my family. Uh, Being in ministry, uh, hundreds of people, I spent the whole next year just really working to clean up the mess that I had made as God led me into that situation. Mm-hmm. That was that's powerful. Yeah, it, it was important. It really is. Yeah, and one thing I would add, you know, um, back to your question a little bit ago about um, the affair is now out in the open. It's off his chest, but the other spouse is now yeah. like reeling. Yeah, you're just beginning to process. Totally. Right. And I think that is something that's not understood in a fair recovery uh, all the time. And that is that he knew what was going on for, in essence, it was a year uh, total because so much of it started even before the physical affair. I didn't. And so what happens is now you have to go back and you have to relive and you have to reframe it. So I'll give you a, a specific example. The summer that he started the emotional affair was my parents' 50th wedding anniversary, and they wanted to gather the entire family at a beautiful place up in the Wisconsin Dells. So we're all there, and we're all you know enjoying this time. And he excuses himself every once in a while, and I think that he is taking care of his construction business back home. But I later learn he's having conversations with this person. And I learned that nine months later. Mm, Right. Now I have to go back and I have to go, wait a a minute. And I have to recognize, you mean this is what was happening. So that happens over and over again Mm. when you're recovering from infidelity. And to Mark's credit, uh, he stayed steady through that. Yeah. Because that is a lot to have to wade through. Well, this again. is your turn. It is. If I it, could say it that yes. way, it feels dark, but it's your turn to start. Yes. Your and emotional I, response. And, and I had to be steady and stable and not reactive. Le- it, yes. it does lead to the next question I had, which are the questions that the offended spouse needs answers to. Right. How do you determine where to go with that because that can be a bottomless pit it can be a arming up of the offended spouse so they can you know Mm -hmm. wail back at the one who had the affair and you know again we're always balancing our fleshly response from our spiritual response Mm -hmm. we're at war within ourselves but how did you guys manage the questions Mm -hmm. uh you're touching on that jill but yeah when was enough enough well, and I think I get asked that question a lot. Um, I think it depends on your personal wiring. Um, yeah. One of the things I talked about in the last program is that I'm a thinker. Uh, that means I deal in facts. Right. I deal in data. Um, I can gather data and not get as emotional about it. If there's a woman who is a feeler, she's got to be careful about how much she asks. Oh, yeah. Because mm-hmm. that's going to really 
that can there's wisdom her. in that that's i guess the key point you've mm-hmm. got to be wise enough to know you Which, need you need some reconciliation on data yes you need mm-hmm. some reconciliation but there may come a point where you need to feel i know enough i don't need to know more I and get... i actually would say to myself do i really need to know this question right. like mm-hmm. i would think about it and sometimes you ask questions from slightly different angles too you have to understand that and that's where i think some couples go wrong in rebuilding trust is the offending spouse will go, "Ah, when are you going to stop asking me? You've already asked me that question. Well, you're on trial constantly. So let's figure this out. Are we going to stay in court or are we going to move along? I mean, that sounds horrible. I mean, you were the offender. Right. Um, Well, and I think as a surrendered man, you don't, my commitment as a surrendered man was to answer every question and to stay steady and to learn to love Jill through my answers and responses and not to get angry. Yeah, I mean, you guys are both growing in this. That's what's so amazing spiritually. And isn't that the awesome gift of God, that you're going to leave this earth so much better off than where you used to be in your relationship with Christ, in your relationship with each other. That's the beauty of this portrait. It's not Mm -hmm. the offense. That's ugly. That's horrible. But God picks up the pieces and creates a a masterpiece Mm -hmm. in your marriage. I mean, it's awesome. Mark, you speak to this idea of the gift of accountability. So let's Mm -hmm. move through that. You guys, you know, you're in a better place. What is the gift of accountability now? Well, I think an unhealthy view of accountability is that someone is there to police another person's life. And that's incredibly unhealthy. The gift of accountability is that I would stay, I would push information to Jill about where I was going, what I was doing, not out of defensiveness, but out of love. Huh, that is big. That's huge. It was totally a brain changer for me. I had to make trips back to our home where both of our families lived and where this uh, person that I had the affair with lived. And uh, I would first ask Jill to go with me, like if I had to help my mom on the house, would you go with me? And if she couldn't go, then I always had in my back pocket somebody who would go with me. And Carl, he was my go-to guy. And Just he was a good friend? Good mm-hmm. friend. Wow, and good for him. I did, I did that so that for my family security, uh, but also for myself, that I didn't want to have to answer questions about where I was. I wanted to create a safety for my family and for me. I right. never had to ask him to do right. that. Right, and, and another good sign of change. Yeah. And that's good. Jill, speak to that. Uh, it was huge um, because I didn't. he opened his phone up. He said, here's my phone. You have access to it And anytime. that was different. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, because it was locked down after, especially after I found the the first text. Computers were locked down. Everything Everything. was locked down. And he gave me a master key to his life and said, I have no more secrets. That was very trust building. Yes. Now, it takes time because to rebuild trust, it's changed behavior over time. And so... It was a consistent opening, and that made all mm-hmm. the difference in the world. Jill, you know, we've got only a few minutes left, and I want to come back to both of you on some really important aspects of this, and that is forgiveness. I mean, we, mm-hmm. we've touched on it, but 
we really got to hear from you, particularly Jill, obviously, the mm-hmm. depth of that forgiveness. How do you find it? Where did you go? And is it deep and real? You or are know, you trying to just live, you know, what you're supposed to do? Here's what I learned, Jim, about forgiveness. And I think it is something that is not as widely understood as it needs to be. Forgiveness isn't once and done. I didn't just forgive the affair and then we moved on. I had to forgive dozens, hundreds of things. I'll give you an example. I drove by a hotel that I learned that they had met at. Okay? I drive by that hotel and I am grieved. It's a dagger. Yeah. And I'm grieved. I'm grieved at the deception. Mm -hmm. I'm grieved at the betrayal. And that day, as I drive by there, I have to go, Lord, I need to deal with this in my heart. And I have to forgive the deception and the betrayal as it relates to that hotel. But the next day, I drive by the hotel again. And that day, I am grieved at the financial mess that this made in our lives. Mm -hmm. And so I have to forgive the financial mess. And so I think a lot of times we think that it's just this one-time thing. It is, you have to forgive layers and layers Mm -hmm. and layers and layers. So when those things raise up, you got to deal with them in your heart then and there. And sometimes I would communicate that forgiveness to Mark, and sometimes that was just between me and God. Yeah. Sure, of course. You know. uh, Mark, let me ask you to pray for those couples yeah. right here at the yeah. end. Uh, give that word to the Lord to use this mm-hmm. program, to use the story God has given you and Jill mm, to absolutely. touch lives. Father, I pray right now on my heart is the couple that uh, aren't even together and maybe they're hearing this program and they're weeping and angry and confused. Father, uh, reach into their mess and the hand of a loving father and just help lead them out of that mess. And Lord, pour out hope. Use this program to breathe life redemption, uh, direction. God, you, your grace, your love is abundant. Mm-hmm. Your mercy is endless. Lord, pour it out today. Mm-hmm. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Mark and Jill, again, thank you for laying it out there. Yeah. I mean, this is hard to do. Mm-hmm. And you're moving down the road, and the Lord's giving you this message now. You've got to keep coming back to the biggest trauma you've ever experienced mm-hmm. and talking about it. So, mm-hmm. But thank you for doing it. Thank yeah. you for helping others see mm-hmm. the better way to go. And, Jill, thanks for capturing it in this little book, uh, Your Next Steps. Mm-hmm. If you need a copy, get a hold of us so we can get this booklet into your hands to help save your marriage. If you're at the end of your rope uh, and you can say from your heart that you do believe God can work a miracle in your marriage, give us a call. Mm -hmm. There's a place that we can begin to restore it together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And last time uh, we mentioned Hope Restored, where we provide intensive counseling over several days to hurting couples. And uh, maybe there's been infidelity or so much conflict, you just can't handle it anymore. Or maybe you've just drifted apart. Learn how Hope Restored can transform your relationship and uh, get in touch. When you do, we'll also tell you about Jill's book, Next Steps, What to Do When Your Spouse is Unfaithful. 
Our number here, 800, the letter A in the word family, 800-232-6459, or visit focusonthefamily.ca. And coming up next time, Deborah Pagay offers some great encouragement to women in leadership. And so I challenge women who are already in the culture, who are already excelling, don't let the culture dictate your values and your priorities. You can have a career, you can have it all, but I say all is what God wants. On behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for joining us today for Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller inviting you back as we once more help you and your family thrive in Christ.